Look at your neighbor and say, are you ready for the word today? What'd they say? What'd they say? All right, try it again. Do you get a response? Look at your neighbor and say, are you ready for the word today? What'd they say? You got them, Jack? All right, good. We're ready to roll. Well, we're in our fifth weekend of talking about the life of David. And uh, we've spent a good bit of this time talking about how to become a giant killer. Because we believe that if you're not facing a giant right now, you're going to face one pretty soon. Because every promised land has its own giants. Amen? And God has called us to possess the promises that he has given us. And so I would encourage you, if you have not been here for any of these, if you've missed one, if you've missed several of them, I would encourage you to go back and watch them. You can go to our website, thehillsnashville.com, click on Messages, and you can subscribe to listen to them on iTunes, or you can watch them if you can put up with my face for very long. You can watch them. I was texting with a young man, that Paul Adams, a dear friend of mine. He's now with the, uh, with the New York Giants. He's playing, and I was texting him last night, and we were talking about the messages. And, and I want to thank our team that does such a great job of putting these up so people that are not with us can still watch this. So take advantage of that. Go back and watch these, and I, help, I believe it will be a blessing to you. Remember last week we were talking about David rolling onto the battlefield just as Goliath is taunting Israel. Remember, he's, he's cursing them. He's cursing their gods and He's saying, why don't you send me someone and we'll fight and whoever wins, the other army will be their slaves. Well, David rolls on to the battlefield and he hears this and he just says, I'll, I'll take him on. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And, and we talked about the past several weeks what it takes to be a giant killer. First of all, it takes anointing. Secondly, it takes obedience. And thirdly, it takes confidence. How many need some more confidence in your life? I love those that raise them really fast. Come on, you are confident that you need some more confidence in your life. We all need confidence in areas of our life. And so let's look at David. What would give this young teenage whippersnapper of a boy who has been a a shepherd all these years, what would give him the confidence to say, all the other military guys can hide out, I'm taking him on? Wouldn't you say that's some confidence right there? Some people would call it cocky. They say it ain't cocky if you can do it, all right? confidence. Look at what David says to Goliath. 1 Samuel 17, 45. David replied to the Philistine. He said, you may come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you. I will kill you and cut off your head. I mean, he just went in on him. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled there here will know that the Lord rescues his people but not with a sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. How was David so confident? It's because David was placing his confidence in the right things. David was confident because of where he was placing his confidence. He wasn't placing his confidence in himself. He was putting it in the right things. How many would be a witness today that when you place your confidence in yourself, you can mess up real fast? You need to be aware of what you're... You need to make sure that what you're placing your confidence in is worthy of you placing your confidence in that. Several weeks ago, we said, first of all, he placed his confidence in God. 
Secondly, he placed his confidence in a cause. We all need a cause that is greater and more worthy than ourselves. And David said, this cause is worthy, me going out there, and maybe I die, but it's worth it because he's been talking about the name of my God, and I'm going after him. Thirdly, he placed his confidence in the weapons that God had given him. Last week was pretty funny because I, I read a scripture where the Bible tells us that David walked out with a sling and with his shepherd's staff. And remember, the giant says, what am I, a dog, that you come at me with a stick? He never said anything about the sling. Remember that? And so I told you that, and then I said, isn't that, how many got a great spiritual application? And I said, because I don't. I ain't got nothing on it. I thought it was just really cool. <laughs> And so I asked you to tell me, and it was so great to get emails, to get people seeing me afterward in the lobby, and there was a consensus of the spiritual application of this, and that is this. Goliath missed the sling because it seemed insignificant. What he saw was the shepherd's staff. That's what David was known as as a shepherd. But what Goliath missed was the sling that represented the heart of a warrior that was in that young man that would end up making him a king. Now here, I want you to amen yourself on that one because you brought that point. Get a good amen. That's good. Next, what did David place his confidence in? He placed his confidence in his preparation. He placed his confidence in his preparation. I've been anointed. I've been obedient. I've submitted to this season in my life of being a shepherd. And I've also practiced God gave David an entire shepherd season to prepare for this moment. All right, somebody needs to hear that. I know you're taking notes right now, but you need to hear what I just said. God gave David an entire shepherd season on the backside of a pasture to get him ready for this moment. Preparation happens in the pasture. You can't wait till you get on the battlefield to start practicing. Preparation happens when no one is looking. When there's no one there to applaud you and no one there, that's when preparation happens. Preparation happens in the dark and in the, in the back room and in the early morning and in the late night. That's when preparation happens. And David took advantage of this season that God had placed him in. Instead of complaining because of the smell of sheep poo-poo, he took advantage of this season and practiced his sling. Come on, some of you right now are in a season of shepherding and you're upset about it. What if you quit cussing and started practicing? I don't cuss. Oh, yes, you do. What if you stopped fussing and complaining and started taking the gifts that God has given you and started practicing them? Well, nobody can hear me. God can. And God knows that he's setting you up for the season that's coming next. David used the previous season of his life to prepare for this moment, so he was ready. Bring this up. Real confidence comes from preparation, not performance. And some of you and some of us, the reason you, get, you lose your confidence is because you judge yourself on your performance. And all it takes is one bad day of performing for you to lose your confidence. So Ron Smith is right back there. Ron, just wave at me. Ron lied to his pastor, by the way. He told me he was not going to be here today, and he surprised me for my birthday. That, those lies are all right. Is it, isn't it funny that you can lie just through your teeth about surprise birthday parties? Isn't it amazing? 
So Ron and I play golf a good bit together, and Ron has beat me twice, okay? The first time that Ron beat me, he and his son celebrated on the green, hugging and jumping up and down like they had won the Masters, all right? The last time that Ron beat me was last week, and he beat me by one stroke. And he just celebrated and did the L on his forehead. And, and one of the funniest things that's ever happened in my life, I woke up the next morning at 7 a.m. to a text message. Those text messages continued on throughout the day. I got about 30 of them, people saying, we're so sorry for your loss. <laughs> Condolences to you. Uh, Stephen Matz, our dear friend that pitches for the Mets, said, I'm so sorry. It's just one game, though. Come on, keep your head up. Brendan Mobley disowned me as his pastor. Evan Ragsdale disowned me as his son. Mike Hayes, our overseer, said, I can no longer be an overseer for you. I only work with winners. Now, what if my confidence was in that one performance? It's not, because yesterday I went out and shot a 79, right? So there you go. And we won the Temple Hills Tournament. This is what a winner looks like, people, right here. Come on, do you get what I'm saying? Because one day of messing up and arguing with your wife, if, that, if you judge, if, if you have your confidence from that performance, what about the preparation? I'm a bad parent because I did this. You're judging yourself on your performance. Get prepared, study, pray, work on it. And then when you swing and strike out, you don't lose your confidence. Evan, our son Evan uh, would shoot seven to 800 three-pointers a day uh, when he was in high school. Ended up being the best three-point shooter in the state of Tennessee for two years uh, in a row. And ended up getting a full college scholarship and, and breaking records in college. And I'm saying that because he's not here. But you know, his confidence was not in that shot. His confidence was the fact that I shot 800 of these yesterday. So this is just another one of those. Look at your neighbor and say, Get prepared. And so David, when he rolls out onto the battlefield, you know what he says? You can, have, you can have a javelin. You can have a spear. You can have a sword. You can have a whole army behind. You can have a shield. I got five rocks. I'm only going to need one, though. I'm going to hit you square in your head. How can you say that? Because I've, I've been prepping for this moment for years. Confidence comes in your preparation. So get prepared. As T.D. Jake says, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Number five, David placed his confidence in who the battle really belonged to. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. See that right there? That was better than a yeah. That should have been an ow. <laughs> David placed his confidence in who the battle really belonged to. He said this in 1 Samuel 17, 47. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. This is not my battle. I'm not worried that my weapons don't compare to your weapons because I'm just, I'm out here, I'm out here as a vessel. This is God's battle. You know how to beat a bully? Get a bigger buddy. When I was in junior high, I know it doesn't look like now, but I was really thin. I, I was a little peep squeak. All right? I, I didn't, I, I just, I was in junior high and, and I was bullied. I, I got bullied a good bit. Uh, because of, because of, I don't know, I was little. Uh, uh, I, I don't know, anyway, I just got bullied. <laughs> I, and I just don't like bullies now. But you know what I did have? I had a really good personality. 
I knew how to make people laugh. And so I became friends with a guy that had failed our grade about three times. <laughs> and his name was Andre, and I nicknamed him Andre the Giant. And it's amazing. After he became my buddy, those bullies left me alone. How do you defeat a giant in your life? You get a bigger buddy in your life. 1 John 4 and 4, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So when you start, now come on, there you go. So when you start facing a giant, when you walk onto a battlefield, remember whose banner you're fighting under. This is not your battle. Now look, if it's a battle you started, don't try to drag God into it. That's a different story. You pick a fight, God's like, go ahead, you got it. But I'm talking about if you know in your knower, as Brittany would say, if you know in your knower that you're doing God's will, you're doing everything that you can to do what's right, and you're facing a giant, remember this, this is not your battle. Look at your neighbor and say, this is not your battle, baby. Tell them. Some of y'all didn't look at each other. Y'all don't like each other? Did y'all fight on the way to church? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, this is not your battle, baby. They need to hear that. He says this, 1 Samuel 17, 45, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. This is his battle. It's not even about this sling or this shepherd's staff. This is about the fact that you have talked about my God. Matter of fact, that's why you're about to die, Goliath. Not because you offended me. You talked about my God. I'm coming after you, and I'm bringing my God with me. Oh, that is good right there. I'm coming for you, and I'm bringing my God with me. Look at this. Here's a tweetable for you. David was fighting for God, so God was fighting with David. David was fighting for God, so God was fighting with or for David. He said it. He said, this is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Here's another tweetable I love. The battle is the Lord's, but he gives us the victory. Don't you love that? He said, the battle is the Lord's and he will give you to us. Man, I, you know, I'm going to tell you what, if I fight a battle, I'm going to keep the victory. But that's not how our God works. He will fight the battle for us and then give the victory to us. Can I hear a big amen on that one today? The other thing that David placed his confidence in, he placed his confidence in past victories. He said, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. If God did it before, he will do it again. I want you to get on the edge of your seat. I want you to listen to me because I felt this early this morning as I was praying over this message today. Somebody needs to hear this. Listen carefully. Hebrew says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Which means this. God is no less powerful today than he was the last time he brought you through. And God does not love you any less today than the day he saved you. Why would he bring you out then and not bring you out now? I've seen you move. You move a mountain. And I believe I'll see you do it again. We need to sing that again. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able. Say it. I will. 
of the goodness of God. Did he move every mountain? Did he part every sea? Yes, he did. So yes, he cared. Oh, did he defeat the darkness? Did he deliver me? Yes, he did. So yes, he cared. How many here last Sunday when the McCain family and, and introduced that one to us? I've been seeing it all week long because I'm facing some things today. I'm facing some giants. We're facing, we're facing some big things that if God doesn't move, we're not going to be able to do it. And I just, you know, you know how I look ahead? I look back. They tell you don't look back, but every once in a while you need to turn around and say, God, you saved me when I was a miserable wretch. And if you saved me then, your grace is no less potent today. You're going to save me again. Come on, give God a shout of praise on that one. Amen. Oh, I feel my 50 coming on today. A great way to build your faith is to look back at what God has done in your life over and over and over and over. Finally, number seven, the seventh, the seventh thing that David placed his confidence in. David placed his confidence in God's calling on his life. David placed his confidence in God's calling on his life. David could take you back to the day that he was anointed to be king. Come on, don't get quiet on me now. David could take you back to the day that he was anointed to be king. I say this all the time. Everybody, everybody that's living for Jesus needs to have a place that you can go back to, that you can say, that was the day that my daddy told me who I was. Even Jesus had it. And if Jesus needed it, we need it. You need something to happen to you that you can't explain but you can't deny. That you go back and man, they, that he, that, and so that David could do. David could go back to that day and say, I was anointed to be king. And then he could look ahead. Because he looked back, he could look forward. He could say this, I was anointed to be king and I'm not king yet. So big old honking giant, you're standing in between me and my destiny. What has God called you to? If you have not fulfilled that calling and there's no giant, there's no devil in hell that can keep you from moving into that. Matter of fact, I want to read something to you. And I know I say this a lot. I always say this is one of my favorite scriptures. And y'all giggle because I got a lot of favorite scriptures. But the one I'm about to read is my favorite, my all-time favorite scripture in the Bible. And this is also the scripture that was my text for the first sermon I ever preached in big church, okay? I'd preached to youth and I'd done some kids stuff, but my first, my first big church sermon at the Pentecostal church in Natchez, Mississippi, where Charles Triplett was the pastor, my mom and daddy were in attendance, and I preached a sermon called Destined for the Throne. And it was from, y'all want to hear that one now, don't you? <laughs> I preached a sermon, and, and it was from this passage of Scripture, and I want you to bring it up. And I think it's fitting that almost 50 years, and when I, was, when I was 17, I preached this message. And now here I am, and it's still my favorite, and it still rings true. 1 Samuel 17, 48. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Look, did you notice that? When the giant rose, David ran. When the giant rose, David ran. And I love this. He didn't, bring, that, bring that scripture back up for me. Here's my favorite thing in this. He didn't just run toward the giant. He ran toward the entire army. Yeah. Do you see that? 
Y'all, that is some confidence right there. How do you do that? Because I have been anointed to be king, and I'm not king yet. So bring on giants. Bring on the army. Bring the Philistines. The, bring the Amorites, the Hittites, the Parasites, everybody. Bring every, I will take on all y'all. Every single, what if you and I could get that kind of confidence that God has put such a calling on our life that we don't just go after the giant that's in our life. We go with all of his buddies, okay? Take them all out. That's why David would later write in Psalms 18, 29, for by you I can run against a troop and by my God I can leap over a wall. David was saying this, I'll run through all of y'all. I will mow you down. Go ahead, brothers. Y'all hide out in caves. I'm taking on the whole army. Listen to me. If God has anointed and appointed and empowered you, he is going to see it through. Philippians 1 and 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. The best way to kill a giant, run right at him. Some of you are cowering right now. Some of you are... Or, or, or you're, you're worried, you're stressed, you're, you're, you got anxiety in your life because of a, a giant in your life. And listen, your giant may be different than my giant. I may look at your giant and go, that little thing. And then you may look at my giant and go, oh, come on, man. What, what are you stressing out about that? But the way to deal with that giant in your life is attack it. Go at it. Jesus said this, upon this rock I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell are not offensive, they're defensive. You don't ever see gates running after somebody, right? No, that didn't happen. The gates are there to keep us from going where God wants us to go. So whatever God has called you to do, let your confidence begin to rise because of what what, what you're placing your confidence in today. So if you're facing a giant today, remember your anointing. Submit to the season. Be obedient. And then when that giant shows up, run onto the battlefield with the confidence that only God can bring. Come on, how many received this word this morning? You receive it today? Close your eyes. I want to pray for you. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? Maybe today, and I'm believing this with all my heart, that there are many of you that God was getting you ready for this moment today. That throughout the week, he's been speaking to you about some things. Maybe throughout this series, he's been speaking to you some things. And now today, it's been confirmed by something that was said, by by something in the worship service today. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? This is not time for you to fall back. This is not time for you to be scared. This is not time for you to start wondering, does God really care? This is time for you to stand up. Come on, we're in the greatest season that our church has ever seen. We're getting ready to enter into one of the most miraculous seasons that I believe the body of Christ has ever seen. This is not the time for you to get scared. This is the time for you to be confident. Matter of fact, right now, let me just step into a pastoral anointing. I speak against every spirit of fear by the blood, the word, and the name of Jesus. Hey, if you've been battling with fear, raise your hand really high. Nobody's looking around. 
Raise your hand. That, that's anxiety, that's stress. Hands going up all over the room. Kristen, just stand up right now and stretch your hands out over these. Kristen battled with the spirit of fear for many years and was set free. She's praying for you right now. In Jesus' name, I speak against every spirit of fear, and we pray power, love, and a sound mind in Jesus' name. Let perfect love cast out all fear by the blood, the word, and the name of Jesus. We're believing for mighty things to happen right now in Jesus' name. Come on, no more nightmares. No more waking up in a cold sweat. I speak peace over you in Jesus' name. Peace in Jesus' name. Now listen to me. You can be set free from fear right now, and it'll show back up the next day. But that's where you place your confidence, right back where you're placing it this morning. This battle is the Lord's. This is not mine. In Jesus' name. Come on, say it with me. Say, fear... You have no right. Today, I accept the perfect love, the peace, and the sound mind that only Jesus can bring. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. How about those of you today that are, that are far from God? Come on, you feel far from God. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a moment. Or maybe you've been a believer, but you, you just don't feel close to him now. And you want, to, you want to recommit your life to him today. If that's you this morning, I want to help you do that. I'm going to, I'm going to give you just a simple prayer to pray. And you can say it right where you are. Just repeat after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord. I give you my life today. Forgive me of being driven by fear. Today, I am yours. I give you the good, the bad, and the ugly. Forgive me of my sins. Cover me with your blood. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to live an abundant, overcoming, and everlasting life with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, everybody, say amen. Come on, you just celebrate these folks that prayed this prayer this morning. Amen. Praise God. You know what I love about our God a lot? But what I really love about God, if I was God, I would make you jump through all kind of hoops to get saved. Come on, how many are the same way? Like, I gave my life for y'all. Y'all going to do more than pray a prayer. But the scripture very clearly says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord, he will save you. So I'm believing right now that the population of heaven just increased because of prayers that were prayed in this room. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.